a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to the program, Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is episode 28. Grateful to you. Today we're spending a lot of time on this tax repeal deal. Uh, We learned this morning from the office of uh, Governor Gary Herbert as well as that of uh, Speaker Wilson and the President of the Senate that they intend to repeal this big tax deal. It was passed during a special session in uh, December of last year. And, well, this morning they've changed their minds. What happened in between? Uh, Well, a number of you spoke out, led by former Representative Fred Cox. A petition effort uh, was underway, and it looks like a, a good number of you spoke up enough to move the behavior of the Utah legislature. That's an impressive feat, regardless of where you stand on politics. Um, but uh, to have had an impact the way you have, that's admirable. And uh, I admire you for having done it. On the line right now, we have former Speaker of the Utah House, uh, a man who would like to become your next governor. Greg Hughes is on the line. Sir, how are you? Good, Lee. How are you? Not too bad at all. I was anxious to speak to you uh, today from the perspective of your uh, former occupation, being a Speaker of the Utah House. Tell us, what what happened here? What what are the big takeaways we should glean from uh, this announcement out of the uh, House leadership and Senate and the governor's office? Well, first off, hats off to former Representative uh, Fred Cox. He he has always been a citizen soldier, and I could have told you a long time ago when he you know, he sinks his teeth into something. He is incredibly uh, tenacious. And what I've witnessed in terms of the people speaking, it's historic. And we need to see it that way, that this was a grassroots effort that I think is unmatched. Uh, there's been other referendums, but they've usually had some funding and some help. But this was uh, in terms of, you know, special interest. But this really was a uh, grassroots effort. And hats off. Again, I'll give credit where credit's due. And, and represent. Former Representative Fred Cox did a, a phenomenal job in leading, and it was a lot of people, but I think that was a, a very impressive. And I think what you saw is uh, the people and the public were not brought along uh, on this tax proposal. What I'd, I'd propose and what I'd hope we'd talk about a little bit is how does tax, uh, you know, significant tax policy pass in this country and even state? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very blunt. I think you have to have a governor, just as we've had presidents. If you have Reagan tax cuts, if you have Bush or, or Trump tax cuts, you still have a legislative process. You have a U.S. Congress that puts that together, but you have, uh, but you have a president of the United States bringing the public along and then hearing the public sentiment and then informing the very tax policy that is going through its respective body, its U.S. House or U.S. Senate. Let's put that on the state. You needed a very clear voice and a bully pulpit that the governor and, and being the leader of the state as governor, you have – to, to bring the public into that conversation, and that should have been done ahead of the game, not after the fact. And I just think that you, we didn't see that. When it's called the legislative tax reform, the legislature, I've learned now that I'm not a lawmaker, they are built for strength. They can give it their level best to try and deal with the federal entitlements, Obamacare expansion, what it does to our state budget. But I'm going to tell you, they do not have the bully pulpit that a governor has. We should have seen uh, Governor Herbert, his administration, out front leading on this type of reform if it was worth doing, and in, with a public 
informing the public but hearing back from them, bringing that to the original effort of a legislative body, which we did not have. And if I'm governor, that's what you would have. Let me ask you this. Are there winners and losers in this whole deal? Uh, In terms of uh, what's happened politically or – I don't know. However you might interpret it, there, there's a very divided uh, set of opinions here. There are those who uh, crafted and voted for this piece of legislation, and then there are those who spoke out under yeah. the leadership of Fred Cox. Hey, when all is said and done, uh, who came out on top? I think it's a clear reminder, Lee, that, that you know, in, in politics and even in policy, perception is reality. I've, I've had the case as a lawmaker where I voted on a bill that I felt was good policy, but we did not bring the public along, and there was a special session called, and we had to repeal it. I think it was in 20, oh, I don't know, 2011 or something like that. And, and there are times that as a public servant, if you do not have the public uh, support and you, the public has not been brought along on important policy, you have yourself a political problem. And, and what I think is that oftentimes we're att- we are tempted to talk about math. Or talk about you know the policy itself. Politically, there was not the kind of discussion and sharing of information to know what or why or how that was going to happen. But again, I, I don't blame my former colleagues as culprits here. I think they were trying very hard. Again, when you see federal entitlements and you see this budget being uh, directed the way it is with the lure of federal money, I think you saw them doing their level best. But the role of the public and what they understood – and what they could provide as perspective to that process in saying absolutely not to, f- to food and to gasoline. It takes a governor to be that conduit and to be that person to, to really bring the public along. Yeah. So I'd say, look, I think the positive is the people have spoken in, a, in a, an impactful and even a historical way. And I think it reminds every one of us, whether we're a candidate or a public servant, the, the public, they're the boss. The sovereignty is in the people. You have to be a leader that engages that public, even in uncomfortable conversations, but you've got to do it. It's the way Reagan did it. You go back to Kennedy tax cuts. You've got, you've got, you've got Kennedy, you've got uh, Reagan, you've got Bush, and you've got Trump. You have, and we've had governors doing it as well. That's the kind of leadership it takes to really address significant tax reform, and we didn't see it. Let me ask you this. Uh, let's pretend it's 2021. The legislative session is about ready to, to kick off. Again, 2021, next year. Uh, It's been uh, signaled by President Adams, Speaker Wilson, and including Governor Herbert that uh, this legislative session here this year, 2020, that after uh, next week when they take on repealing this SB 2001, that that will be it for taxes. There won't be uh, an attempt to readdress this issue during this legislative session. Uh, Let's say, uh, well, let me first ask you, do you you feel that the circumstances we face right now here in Utah uh, require uh, looking at this issue? And if so, what would you do first next year uh, as the legislature tackles this issue? What what, what do you think should be step one as we readdress this issue of tax reform here in the state? Lee, it's it's crystal clear. You have to get out there. I have always believed it's what I did in the the last sessions of Speaker. You've got to grow this economic pie. We have so many advantages by infrastructure, our road, our rail, our air. There's a global supply chain that's growing by the minute in this world, and Utah has a chance to be a link in that global supply chain, which would bring incredible economic prosperity, jobs uh, to the entire state, rural, Wasatch Front, you name it. We have to be at it. we have to be dedicated as supply siders and conservatives to growing the economic pie. That's the first thing. But we do have an economy that's changing. It is different. We do spend money in a different way than we used to, and there were dollars that were collected that you've got to talk about that. But 
and, and you have to bring the public along, and that's a hard conversation. That's going to take longer to have those conversations and talk about those things and get the feedback from the public. But at the same time, in that same session in 2021, let's look at this ever-expanding entitlements inside of our, our state budget. I heard, there were, I heard that there was a, a description of a conservative Obamacare expansion. I'm going to argue the best way to deal with Obamacare expansion and its federal entitlements on our budget is to not have it, to come up with state solutions, which we did as a state legislature, that will allow you to help people that are in need to not see emergency rooms used for health care. But we came up with a state solution. It was not with federal entitlement money. And I think that that's the, you, that's the way you do it. You have, to, you have to look at some of these federal entitlements and how they're strangling our budget. And uh, I think you have to – I honestly think that the initiative that passed that allowed for Obamacare expansion after the legislature uh, stopped it was because you, it's one of the few areas that you saw our current governor spend some serious political capital looking to pass Obamacare expansion. Sure. And so when it came up on a ballot, it was a very familiar concept. And I think that it, it comes with consequences that I, that I worry about. And I think that's what you see with the legislature. They don't print money. The state of Utah does not print money, and it balances its budget. And the more of that federal entitlement money you see inside these state budgets, the more lawmakers yeah. and those that build these budgets, their hands are tied. Right. But what I'm explaining to you is a conversation that a good governor has broadly with the state, uh, with the public, and then with the legislature as well in terms mm -hmm. of getting those entitlements out of the budget, growing the economic pie, and then having this thoughtful discussion about what are we going to do with a changing economy that's not around the corner, it's right in front of us. Very good. Uh, former Speaker of the Utah House, Greg Hughes, our guest here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Let me ask you, uh, Greg, before you go, you ready to make an uh, announcement for your running mate? <laughs> I'm two weeks and one day into this race. I, <laughs> I, uh, I do not. I don't have any running mate. You want, hey, Lee, yeah. what are you doing? Hey, let, me, let, me, I'll, let me check my schedule. I got this new gig hey. going. Let me see how it's working out. You, I think you might have a higher name idea. I think you'd be a, you'd be a star. I think this is right up your alley. All right. All right we will talk. This is just between us, right? No one can hear this. Yeah, no, no one's right? listening yet. It's a new show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Uh, Greg, thank you uh, for, for calling us. Hey, listen, in the next segment, this is a fascinating topic. Uh, the Utah Supreme Court Justice is considering a rule change that would allow DACA recipients to join the state bar. That means individuals who are not citizens of this country uh, practicing law here in the state of Utah. Uh, there's a public comment uh, period open right now for you to weigh in. It closes today. We're going to hear from uh, the general counsel for the Utah State Bar, Elizabeth Wright, next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.